Uh, good morning once again. If I happen to have missed you earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at DCC. Um, I, I, uh, I'm not much of a fashion person, but I've been uh, pretty impressed on the evolution of uh, fashion since COVID hit. So, uh, you know, it's interesting when, when we really got into, you know, COVID and everything, everybody's just hanging out at home. And so uh, we were all just in sweats the whole time. And, and so, you know, it, I, it, this is a fascinating thing to observe uh, because, you know, wearing your sweats in public suddenly became a thing. And, but this was something like for the fashion world, let's just be honest, like that was like maybe one of the worst sins that you could do. And so, you know, maybe that was reserved and, you know, you know, people would say, you know, you'd go to certain retailers and somebody showing up in sweatpants was like something that maybe, and this is, you know, just how it's viewed that someone who is lower class or something would do. Like you would never, like any self-respecting person. And so, but suddenly we decided, yeah, we're going to do this. Like we're going for it and we're going all in. And so, and so it, it provoked, it was interesting. It's almost like it feels like a Devil Wears Prada type of storyline in a movie where, like, somebody goes to a fashion person and says, well, you know, if you can make this be fashionable, then you can do anything. And we're like, well, I can. And so that's what I feel like it's what happened. And so, you know, and so suddenly you start seeing, like, luxury type of, like, they got to find a way to make it look good, and then they gotta, they're going to charge you for it. And so all this led up for me. So last December, I, it was, uh, our kids were on Christmas break, and on Christmas Eve, I went to a musical with uh, my two daughters, and so we went into Manhattan, and it was freezing. I don't know if, I don't know, you probably don't remember, but like, uh, it, it was an insanely cold weekend. Unfortunately, we got no snow for Christmas, and the Christmas Eve was insanely cold, uh, and so we were super bundled up to go, go into it. So we, take, we took the two train up towards Midtown, towards Times Square, and right across from us was this, you know, was this woman uh, on her way somewhere, and she, and it was like, you could just see, she was in, like, this comfort, I don't know what you call it, um, like, full attire, but it was obviously luxury. Like, we, I was like, they did it. They did it, like, they, you know, it was, it was like that moment where this person, it had to be incredibly expensive outfit, and it just looked Super nice, but it was total like sweat pet type material, and like I'm sure it's all sustainable, everything. And like it had to, like it was just done in such a way that it looked amazing, and it had to cost a couple thousand dollars just to put all this together. And and so I was like, they did it. Here it is. This is the pinnacle. Like she was, she looked super warm and very fashionable, on her way to something, and, I, and my daughters are with me, and I thought for sure that they noticed, because we talk about style, and when we're around, traveling around New York, and everything, and I asked them afterwards, she's like, no, I, I didn't see it, so only I saw this happen, but I tell you it existed, and so we found a way to make this happen, but what, it, like, there's something about your clothes, right, like that, that uh, the feeling that you have, so, you know, whether, like, you you, you know, you buy a great out, you know, something to wear, like you go to a formal or some kind of party, some kind of work occasion, or you just, you know, for going into the office, <laughs> that's a whole different thing now. Um, but, you know, you wear something really nice and you just feel like you're going in for a presentation 
job interview. You want something that makes you feel like it, it's, if you do it well, you feel confident because of what you wear. And then you go home and you can't wait to like shed it all and then get into the most comfortable thing that you can. And in our house, it's funny because I have three kids and there's five of us and it's like we're all in a race um, to get it super comfortable and we you know, land on the couch, throw on a movie after a long week. Like we love to do that on Fridays. And there's something about that that just makes you feel, it, you can actually feel it because if you wear something that's nice and comfortable. So it's like this imagery that you have. And it, and it kind of helps you be in a mindset. What you clothe yourself with. So that's the imagery that I want you to have in mind as we lead into our conversation today. And we've been, if you're new with us, or you know, we've been in a conversation, we've been walking through the letter to uh, Colossians. This is one of the early churches where you have the Apostle Paul writing to this church. And we've been talking about this story that's happening. And so we've been really engaging in how the letter to the Colossians reveals life, a story of life. You see activity. And so we, we, we had Easter together a month ago, and we talked about, um, you know, the resurrection. And Jesus says, and after his resurrection, the, the church took off just like he said it would. He said, nothing will ever stop it. The gates of hell will never overcome it. And we see that still coming true today. It's one of the many reasons why we believe in Christ. And, and so you see this story of life take off. And it's not the normal thing. Like we talk about a church, we think about church as a building. It's one of the reasons why I love doing church in the city because it gets us out of the building mindset. It's really a gathering. When Jesus talked about the church, he was referring to a gathering of people. And so the church is a story about life happening, people finding Christ, finding God, their lives being renewed. And, and we, we've sung these words today. We were, we, are, are, we were dead in our sins, but you brought me to life. And so we see this happening. And so in a church that's pursuing Christ, you see this natural story of life. And so Colossians is about this story of Ephorus. Ephorus is a guy who started the church in the city of Colossae. And so he found Christ in the city of Ephesus to the church that was started there by Paul, by the Apostle Paul. And so I grew up thinking Colossae was just, the Colossian church was another church that Paul planted, but it's actually Ephesus. And so Paul eventually finds out this guy was, he would have known Ephesus and trained him, and, and he would have been a part of that family. And then Ephesus goes back to his, his hometown where he's from in Colossae, and just out of natural interaction with others, he begins to share about this life that he's found, and others begin to follow Christ and be renewed and find this life. And so we just see this natural expansion of life happening. And that's what, we, that's what a church is. And so in this city, we were following a story. Years and years ago, a church was started over in the Bloomfield area of New Jersey. And, and the pastor's son then went and started a church in Hoboken. And then eventually that was part of our story. And we were launched out of that church. And we started here eight years ago on Easter of 2015. And we're not just starting places for people to show up and believers, you know, people who believe in Jesus to be, you know, okay with one another. No, it's just this place where a story, this life happens. And 
that's what God's gathering is about. And that's what you were invited into. It's about this relationship with God. And so when you read Colossians, you see this story. And they ran into challenges. And ultimately that turns in the story being in you. It becomes personal. There are decisions that you make to pursue God or to ask questions of Him and then to learn to trust Him. And so there's a story in you that happens. So the story of life and the story in you, and in that story, there's challenges and, and things that you run into, and there's opposition, and that's what this church experienced were challenges. And it was really a question of influence. There are people that begin to come into their lives, and this is what Paul, Ephesus eventually goes back to Paul and says, we're struggling with these things. And Paul writes this letter to encourage them and to show them the fullness they have in Christ. And so there are people that exerted their influence. And we live in a world that's all about influence. And we care a lot about what other people think. And so people were coming to them and saying, here's what you have to do to be okay with God. It can't just be dependent upon Christ. You've got to do all these things. And they were, they were they were like works that had nothing to do with who Christ was, and it was the influence. And so Paul was saying, no. He's like, look at their motives. And so he was brilliant. And this is, I think, in week one or two. You can go back. It's on our website. It's on our podcast. But he talks about the motives. He looked at the motives of those who are trying to get you to do these things and look at the outcomes. He goes, they seem okay in the service, but they ultimately lead to emptiness. There are things you got to do over and over and over again. They don't actually fill you up. They're just shadows of what is meant to be, and it doesn't actually fill you. And so their challenges are different than our challenges today, but the principle of it is so key, and Paul was brilliant in showing them these things. And for you and I, we are constantly being pressured to chase things that we think will make us full. And we chase this idea like, this is what I've got to do to be okay. And we'll dive into that a little bit more today. But Paul is like, this leads you to emptiness. Don't you see that these are just appetites? And he eventually says this to them in Colossians 3. He says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. And, and if, if there's a theme in Colossians, it's, it's, it's the fullness that we find in Christ. And so that's what we talked about last week, that it's in Christ, meaning you, at some point you, you, you must make a decision to believe in Him or not. And when you are in Christ, when He is your Lord, He is your life, you have everything that you need. And there's two main things that we experience in the fullness of God. One is that your debt is paid. You and I owe for the wrong and the sins that we've done. We've walked away from life and love. And, and, for, and that, lot from that, that is only found in God because He is love and He is life. The, the love that we experience in this world, the life we have, it's all come from Him. And so to walk away from that is to walk towards death. And so we owe a debt for the wrong that we've done and only Christ would fulfill that. So when we find Christ, that debt is fully Paid. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says this. He says, you were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with 
Christ, he forgave all our sins. And this is such a beautiful statement. Past, present, and future, all of them. He says this, He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross, which is how Jesus died on a Roman cross. And that statement is something that's really hard for our hearts to believe and to internalize because we've lived, we live in a, we, we almost want something that we have to do to be okay. And we look at the past history of God's engagement with us and giving us Ten Commandments and other things, and we think that God is just a God about rules, or if I did this, or am I going to get struck by lightning and all these different things. But no, he says, he came to take that away. He took that punishment for us. He says, he canceled the record of charges against us. It's a, like a legal phrase. What we like to say is, court is adjourned. There's literally no one keeping score in Christ because you have the fullness of Christ in you, meaning that you're forgiven fully. That's the fullness of Christ in you. And, and learning to step into that grace where we, don't, we no longer stand condemned allows us to engage God in a much different way. And then you have you are complete. You are made complete in Christ. And we, ex- we can experience, we have all this fullness of God that lives in us. So, then, the way that we engage with God is about experiencing and pursuing the fullness that we have in Him. And that's what Colossians begins to transition to and become. He's like, we have this life. And that's why we're singing, for I was dead in sins, and now I woke up to see the light. And so we live for his glory. We say, all of this is for your glory because we've discovered that the fullness that we're seeking in everything else that we are trying to fill our lives with, we, we only can find in Christ. And maybe that's why some of you are here as you begin to experience the emptiness of everything that you pursued in your life and it didn't fill you up and it didn't fill you up so you had to pursue more. And and when we make those things our identity, we discover that it's not actually filling. And that's why we need Him. And so this is what Paul gets to. How do we experience this fullness? In Colossians 3, 1 through 3, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And it's such a beautiful statement of being hidden with Christ. That he protects us. There's, there's things that don't make sense, actually, to the, the world around us that we pursue. We're like, yep, and I, you know, God is my identity. My identity is in Christ, and he is who I pursue, and that doesn't make sense. And, uh, and we, so there's these things that are hidden to others, but then we're protected. There's so much beauty in that statement. And he says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Like, we are one with him now. The message version says this so much better. It's a, it's a, a message translation, a paraphrase translation in modern language. It says, your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, 
even though invisible to spectators, is, is with Christ in God. And it says this, He is your life. And this is what I'm praying for you and longing for you to discover in your own personal life, in your own personal story, this life we have in Christ. And I have to be reminded of this over and over again because of the challenges that I face, the difficulties in the, the world, the, the news cycles that we experience. We live in a country that is just pursuing mod, you know, all the modern things that we have and the luxury, yet we are deeply troubled inside. We were not finding the fullness that only God brings. And so I need to be reminded of this, that He is my life. And I seek Him out. He is my life. And, it, and it's beautiful. So we want to lean in to this treasure we have. It's about putting on who Christ is in our life. And so I just want to lead us into that discussion for this remaining time that I have today with you. And I want to read through the rest of Colossians 3, and then I'm just going to break it down for us to help us understand how we can experience this fullness. And if you're someone who's pursuing God, you're asking questions of Him, maybe you're on a journey towards Him, and this is, we hope this is a safe place for you to come and ask your questions of God. You can begin to take steps towards Him and say, is this really true? And so how do we do that? Well, I'm going to read Colossians 3, starting in verse 5. He says, and this is, this is Him now saying, here's how we step towards life. This isn't about the rules. This is about the fullness of God. He says, put to death. He goes, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And that's a, a, a really brilliant statement about our hearts. And I'll hit on that here in just a little bit. But we're used to experiencing, okay, if you want to pursue God, don't do this, 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 and this, and this, and this. <laughs> Right? And then it's like, well, did I do everything right? But the problem is you don't do everything right. If you're a first-time guest here, we love to give you the book, How Good is Good Enough, because we, that's a conversation. Well, how good can you be? What about the things that you screwed up on and the, and the arguments you had and the, and the person you stabbed in the back and all these things you did in the past? Like, what do you do with that? And we're worried. It's like you try to be good, and we, so we just think about, well, don't do this, don't do this. But that's not what God has pursued us with. He's pursued us with a relationship. And so now we are learning to walk towards Him. So we're learning to view it differently through a relationship because we understand we can't keep the rules. So the view is different. So now He's saying, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. All these things, all these things are idols of our hearts. We think they'll fulfill us. And all these things right there are, are, are stuff that we, we would want to pursue. Sexual morality, lust, impurity, like evil desires, greed. We want money. We want things. We're just chasing after things as our identity, as our purpose. He says, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of, and here are things that come out of pursuing these idols, anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. He's like, put to death. 
Then he says, put on your new nature and be renewed. And I love that phrase because this is what we are invited into. This is what you and I are longing for, like that renewal of our hearts. Finding peace, learning to not be condemned by our sinful nature, knowing that Christ took that condemnation, so now we can be renewed. He says, as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. And this is a picture of a relationship and a process. That we have a sinful nature that's still part of us, but God has promised He will take away one day. And so He has a purpose for us now to experience Him. He says, be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. That's pursuing the fullness that you have in Him. And the beauty is, it's He's taken away the worry if you're okay. When you are in Christ, you are forgiven. You are His fully and forever. Even if you sin, even if you blow it, whatever that is. But we don't always believe that. The further you become a, ingrained as a Christ follower, it's easy to be worried and all these things. Like we just need to hear over and over again, no, you are okay. Courts adjourned. And so when that, when that worry is gone, we can go to him in this relationship and say, I'm struggling with this. I need you. And so we put on Christ, you get to know him, and you become like him. And it begins to push those other things out. This is what you long for. And maybe you're still on that path to believing this, but this is what we want, to be renewed. He says, put on your new nature, who's in Christ. He says, as you learn to know your creator, become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. These are things that they were dealing with at the time. Barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Whether you wear sweatpants at home or at the office or you spend $2,000 or not. Or whatever, like your background, your history. It doesn't matter. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, and here's the analogy, you must clothe yourselves. And and it's just this imagery of what we put on. He focuses on what we do, but helps get rid of the other things. Clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. How do we do that? He says, he tells us, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The only reason we can really forgive is because God forgave us. And that's an issue for us because eventually you understand that there's something you need forgiving of. (laughs) There's a moment in believing in Christ where we acknowledge that I'm broken. Not, I mean, you can point it out to your spouse, to your parents, your roommate, your coworkers. Like, yeah, you've messed up, and here's a list. I can say, like, 
for you. And that's condemning. Except at the moment of our condemnation, Jesus came and took it for us. As I watch my kids interact as they grow up in the in our world and in school with their friends and relationships, you know, everybody's saying, well, just love, every, you know, love one another. And they, but what they, they don't know how to do it. <laughs> we, 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 our nature is to condemn one another. And my kids experiencing the forgiveness of Christ get to live that out and actually love others. And they're absolutely condemned for that. And I'm not saying they're perfect. Um, and I'm certainly not. But we need that. And we, when we experience Christ's forgiveness, it what is what truly helps us forgive others. We don't know how to do it. Our world's saying we should love one another, but then we're baffled because we don't know how. And so we need to be renewed. And that is found in Christ. So where are we? Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And it's, it's because of Christ. We become like him. And when you forgive someone, you experience his forgiveness in a way that you never have before. You understand the depth of his mercy and grace for you. And you love him even more for it. When you blow it and screw up and you begin to understand that I just go, I go to him and I can come back to him and he has forgiven me and I'm not condemned, like you're blown away by his grace and mercy. And suddenly the words we sing start coming true in your heart. Make allowance for each other. Give each other Grace. Our world does not know how to forgive, to be, to be restored. And this is how. And he says, above all, and here's the analogy again, clothe yourselves with love which binds all, us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Man. How do I know that I'm chasing things that are empty for me? It's because I, have, I, I, I don't have the peace of God ruling in my heart. I find myself, this is how I experience it. I, just, I chase my desires. I chase these simple habits and things that I think will fulfill me. And yeah, I do it. I'm broken as a pastor, and I need forgiveness, and I need this cycle of, of becoming like Christ. And what I find is that I'm anxious in my life. I'm incredibly worried, and I have these idols of my heart. And they don't fulfill me. And it's all on me. And I'm anxious. And I've, I've, I walk away many times from my experience of Christ. It's only Him. And I love that. Let the peace of Christ, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your That's for you to say. He says, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. And then he says this, let the message about Christ 
in all its richness, fill your lives. That's my prayer for you. It's a prayer for my kids and for my heart. We are, we have things that are on our list. There's appointments on your calendar. <laughs> and it's driving us. And we think about who I've got to be and, and money and rent. And, and we, we forget our hearts. And that is the foundation. And so that's what I am. I, I care about you. I love you and I and so I'm thinking about your heart. It's a beautiful I can't imagine being in this early church and just reading this and and the, these letters they just they sent them everywhere and they copied them and sent them like <laughs> they're like read this, read this, read this. Like a message about Christ and all its riches fill your lives. And so we're learning to put off and put on. And I have just a couple of minutes and I could probably spend 30 on this, and I'm not going to. I've got a timer, and I'm, I'm, I'm aware, okay? <laughs> but we put off in, the, in, the, in the, the, everything that we just read. He says, put off all those things. He says, which is idolatry. There, now, it's, what's beautiful about Christ is when He is our identity, when we are pursuing Him, then everything that we do, like when we go on vacation or we go out to a great restaurant, it's about experiencing the beauty that He's given us and we get the foundation right. What we've done, or what we do is take what He's given us and may try to make it our identity. So we try to make money fill us. Or we try to make food fill us. We try to make vacations and experiences fill us. And we just can't quite get it. And so we chase it. We chase it. We make popularity. We make likes. We make being an influencer or whatever. We make our bodies and everything like that try to fill us. We can't. But when Christ is filling you, then you're enjoying life. We drink, we drink to celebrate the life that He's given us, and it takes on an entirely new meaning, not just to forget about our problems, but to celebrate. When we take a vacation, we are experiencing rest in time that one day we'll experience fully in Him. As Paul said in Colossians, these things are a shadow of what is meant to come. They are a picture of the fullness of God. And it changes. And so we're learning to identify the idol of our heart. There's something going on in you. It says, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Put it off. And we think, and I'm, I'm going to go into this, we'll end the series next week, and I'm going to go into detail on what this looks like, the idols of our heart. But there are things that you're prone to. Maybe you think, or maybe you've been taught, like if you're a Christian, that you, should, you shouldn't blow it anymore. You shouldn't mess up, and you shouldn't sin. And the problem is, that's impossible. It's impossible to do that. 
Paul goes, you know, if you read in Romans, in Romans 7, Paul eventually gets into it. He goes, like, I can't not do, like, I just, even though I, I want to do what is right, I do what is wrong. Like, I don't, like, you, like, and you do stuff, and you're like, why did I do that? And, and you think, and so it's important to understand that you have a sinful nature, and, and it's just about pursuing Christ, and in this relationship, it's a process of engaging him. So we put off. In Romans 6, 14, Paul says, Sin is no longer your master. When you are in Christ, it no longer leads your life. You no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Romans 6, 14. Freedom is not typically a word we attach to God. And that's beautiful. So we learn to put off and then put on Christ. We put on. And then Paul says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And so we're learning to clothe ourselves with the qualities, the personalities, the traits of Christ. And that's what it looks like, what it means to follow Christ. When you do things that condemn you in your heart, or you like, I wish I wouldn't be that way, I hate that part of myself, we learn to change the dialogue, to turn it around and say, okay, Christ, you took this condemnation so I can say to you, this is who I am. The things that we want to hide and not admit, and then we say, we invite Christ in. That's where Christ longs to be. We are afraid of those conversations with one another. Christ is not. And we become like him, and we begin to put on the new nature we have in Christ. You clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We learn to identify what is in our hearts and begin to put on other things, and we, and we make that our life. And that is the beautiful part that you are invited into to experience the fullness of Christ. And next week, we'll get into that, what it means to put off idols and put on Christ. But that is the invitation. Let the message of Christ and all its richness fill your life. Now, this is obviously not about money. It's about the depth of the fullness of God. So this week, what are some simple habits that you can do to follow Christ? experienced him. Maybe you can read through Colossians and just identify traits and begin to pray to him. Invite him into your struggle. Take steps to engage him. Do it simply. Start small. Do something you can do every day.
and continue to take steps towards him. Take steps to be part of a church family here in this city, to serve, to be part of his body, not to try to, to do things, but to be part of the life that he has. He has made you to be in community. Join us in a month at Go Georgia City. Join me today, today at our welcome gathering. Take it to be part of one of our Sunday serving teams. There are things that you can do during the week. Join us in simple service where we hand things out to past stations because we know in the city that people don't know each other. When we do that, people find this life. There's a way that we can take steps to experience the beauty of Christ in your personal lives, in the story of our families together. That's how we do it. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. Jesus, I thank you for these words that you've given us, the wisdom and the life that we find. God, this week, my heart will, will, will forget this and I will chase things. And I know the same is true for those, everyone here today. And I pray that we would change how we, we take that feeling and that dialogue in our heart and begin to turn it towards you, not run away from you, but learn to go to you. I pray that we would experience the fullness that only you can bring. We thank you for this, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.